Welcome to the Veteran Business Collective Podcast. Welcome to the Veteran Business Collective Podcast. My name is Chase Roth, and I am your host. Uh, we are coming to you from the Signal Fire Studios, uh, provided by Signal Fire Media Company. If you'd like to support the Signal Fire folks, you can go to signalfire.media and also follow them on all their social channels. A huge thank you to Geo Owl for sponsoring this month's round of podcasts. Uh, they are the premier uh, geospatial intelligence service provider for uh, the U.S. government. And if you are interested in a career in intelligence, please visit geoowl.com for more information. All right, today we are speaking with Avery Washington. Avery, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you, Chase? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Of course. It's great to see you. Um, we've we've known each other for quite a while, um, so it's this is it's cool to have you on here today. I appreciate you agreeing to uh, join me and be on our first round of podcasts. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Making the time and uh, coming down here to our, our studios for this. So, um, well, let's start out by uh, having you just tell the listeners who's Avery Washington. All right, I'll give the brief version. So I'm originally from Connecticut, came down here by way of the Marines like many, spent 12 years in the Marine Corps. I got out and jumped headfirst into real estate. Now I'm a licensed broker with Colwell Banker, Seacoast Advantage. That, super condensed version. That is the super <laughs> condensed version. I know there's there's so many more layers to Avery than than, than what you just gave us here. Let's let's kind of peel that back a little bit. All right. Um, you said you did 12 years Marine Corps. What, mm-hmm. what 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 years did you do from? So, I came in June 2007 through June 2019. I spent the first three years in Havelock at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. I was a data guy. I was terrible at it, and I was encouraged by a career planner at the time who was formerly a signal intelligence analyst to try out for MARSOC. At the time, it was like doing a B-bill in, in recon for the sake of an analogy, so there was no MOS. You just go for five years and then come back, which wouldn't have worked out well for me because I didn't know how to do my job in the first place. <laughs> so, but I went over to Marsoc. Not a lot of people admit yeah. that. So. I, I was not good at it, not very well suited for it. I went over there, and while we were in the individual training course, ITC, the MOS was created, and then I remember it because it literally a lined piece of paper. They pass it around and said, hey, you know, if you want the MOS, just sign your name on it. And then by the end, it was pretty clear that it wasn't a choice, right? And then, of course, all the recondos, they felt some way about it. And we're 0372s. And then I was there till June 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know, because I worked with you mm-hmm. a couple of different different points at, at MARSOC, that you were good at that job. So you found a place that, that, that you liked. I like that, to think so. And, that, and, that, <laughs> and found something that you, you liked and you were good at mm-hmm. uh, while you were in the military that wasn't data. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Absolutely. So the unique thing... I really appreciate the experience I had there because, granted, when people interact with me or look at me, no one looks at me and thinks like, oh, I used to be in the military or special forces, right, or used to be an athlete. 
the thing I realized from being in that organization was that this, the importance of forming a team is the ability to leverage the collective experiences and abilities of everyone it's comprised of, right? So you kind of think of, you know, six foot, 200 plus pound square jaw folks, maybe with tattoos all over the place these days, right? And I don't really check that box, but what you really have is, sure, there's some folks who can haul a lot of weight a long way, but there's some, there's also hyper-intelligent people who have the ability to speak multiple languages or are really good with explosives or marksmanship or just cultural understanding or logistics, right? So there's a number of super important things when you work in small teams that I learned were just as important as being physically fit, uh, among other things, or the ability to shoot, move, and communicate. I learned there was a lot more nuance to it than those three boxes. That That's a really cool point. That's what I like. Uh, I refer to my time in soft as, as a Raider um, in much the same manner that I had to work my balls off to be average. Mm-hmm. At any, Absolutely. At anything. Because there's, there's that guy, like you said, there's mm-hmm. that six foot five square jawed, you know, tower of muscle that you're never going to be as strong as. Yep. And then there's a the guy that can run five minute miles till the end of time without needing a break. Mm-hmm. But and, can't pick up a paperweight. But you're, yeah, but you're never going <laughs> to run as good as him, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And then you go to the range and you're like, I'm pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good shot. And you go to the range and you look at the guy next to you and you're like, Holy crap, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, why is he not on the Olympic team? Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> like, my group is yay big, and his is fits in a quarter. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting a 1911. It's like, how does he even do that? And he's beating me on the shot clock, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I need to up my game. So that was one of the cool things about, about being in that community is that you had to work so hard just to be average that you were forced to improve and do better every day at everything because your likelihood of being the best at any one thing was very very low absolutely you agree with that absolutely yeah Yeah, I I definitely it allowed me to recognize at the time what I felt my strengths were I feel like I've had the opportunity to validate it or verify it to myself since getting out um which was huge so realizing that right I'm five eight and a half so I'm not outlifting or running a lot of people (laughs) Right, just genetics aren't on my side for that. So I had the opportunity to sit down and figure out what's the meaningful contribution I can make outside of being the hardest person here. Because it seems like there's a lot of folks in the running for that. And strangely enough, my ability to like communicate verbally and in writing, to manage resources, not necessarily within my control, to meet varying deadlines across time and take ideas and and bring them to fruition or to reality seemed to be the things I did best time and time again. So that was the niche that I started to recognize and double down on, and I think I still do, except now it's more expensive. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's crazy how humble you are, Avery, because you talked about how, you know, genetics aren't on your side, you know, when when in the, you know, the toughest guy in the room contest and all that kind of stuff. And so you you develop these other skills and natural abilities. But uh, 
you're you're still a dive master, correct? Combatant dive supervisor. S- supervisor. There's, there are very super. So the Navy is the only. The Navy has dive masters by, like billet and MOS. I think Marines in really specific billets can have the title. I'll have to run that by a couple folks, but combatant dive supervisor. But point being yeah. that even just dive school is known as one of the, the toughest a, schools in the military. It's a character building exercise. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> a good you know, story it's, it's funny that. how humble you are over here. Like, oh, physically, whatever. But yeah. you, like, you made a cakewalk out of one of the toughest schools the U.S. military has to offer as far as, uh, you, know, you know, physical requirements and that sort of thing. The, the pre-dive definitely helped. I got to yeah, do I'm a sure. pre-dive before hazing and people being offended or pushed too hard was a, as big a deal as it is now. It right. definitely set me up for success. Yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> I went through a, a quiz program um, before all that was a thing, too, and we would spend about half the day doing what they like to call water aerobics, mm-hmm. um, which are not what most people envision water aerobics to be. Nice. But like you said, it's a character-building exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you stronger. You're literally getting paid to exercise for two weeks straight. Yeah. I, it's, I lost weight I didn't know I had to lose, <laughs> which is insane. Your calorie burn you can't keep it's up with nuts. no matter how much you eat, I was right? eating, at the time, more than I had ever eaten, and I lost easily 20 to 25 pounds yeah and you probably didn't have yeah, 20 pounds I, there wasn't either. much there <laughs> that's insane mm-hmm. so then you, you did your time at marsoc mm-hmm. and you uh you transitioned you said in 2019 to civilian life correct was there an impetus for that well during my last enlistment i i had decided i wanted to get out about six months into my last three-year contract, which is a while to wait. At the time, I was married, and that was, I don't even know how to describe it, but I was kind of learning about myself, what my priorities were, what was important to me. So as I tried to prioritize, you know, family, I saw my career suffer, and then I also realized that it's important to me that my family can be a part of the things that are important to me. Amen to that, man. That yeah. was that was the main driver for my transition as well. So, so it was very. So that was a, a challenge that was dealt with, and and I learned a lot about myself. So I, you know, went through that two and a half years, and overlapping that. In 2013, I bought my first house, which was a duplex. 2014, a friend and I bought some two quadruplexes, and then I kind of sat tight while I was married. And then in 2018, I started buying again. Uh, Ironically, the same year I was getting divorced. Maybe some money got freed up. I don't know. (laughs) And And then 2019... So I, we, excuse me, let me roll back. 2018, we also sold those quadruplexes. And I just, I kind of just gave my friend the money that I had made in this just fluid verbal agreement that he would like pay me back and he wanted to do flips. 
the market wasn't as awesome as it is now. So everything appraised for less than expected, and then it turned into buy and holds. And I was midway through my last deployment with six months left, and he did a refinance and then paid me out. And he sent me more money in that wire transfer than I made the whole year. So I had, at the time, I had three rentals, four, four, four rentals, actually, and just made more money in once than I had made the whole year. And I just thought, maybe I should focus on this. <laughs> it was literally, it was that simple. That's when the light came it on. It was literally, I literally <laughs> thought that to myself, like, maybe I should focus on this. And then, <laughs> so I started... I started looking into what you need to do to get a real estate license because that seemed to be the way to focus on it. And even with that, which still is, the goal was to figure out how to get to a point where I'm earning a living doing business, buying and selling on my own behalf. And doing business... What what do you mean by that, buying and selling on your own behalf? So this was something I had to work out over time, right? But, you know, as an agent, let's say if something's listed in the MLS, there's a commission. Even if I'm buying a house for myself, mm-hmm. I'm still making the commission, right? So granted, I'm doing, you know, in buy and hold investing. So since I never sell anything, I had to really rethink that, <laughs> which is what also... What also... Uh, lent toward a growing interest in development, excuse me, and new construction and like urban redevelopment and just realizing that maybe a combination of buy and hold or value add investing or land development or just different types of transactions would be able to facilitate that as well. But with the goal of living solely off the commission for buying or selling on my own behalf, generated from those transactions, and just reinvesting the money generated by the real estate that I purchase, or or even sold in that matter, right? Instead of just taking the proceeds and losing it, that gets reinvested into something else, and I just live off of this X percent. So was that something you figured out while you were still on active duty or, or, or post-transition? While I was still on active duty... I, I wouldn't say I figured it out, but that's something I decided while I was on active duty still. Okay. Because there was some overlap between me going to pre-licensing and taking the exam before I was getting out. So that was a little bit of free fall as well. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying I'm trying to follow this because you've got a lot of lot of different things There's going on There's a lot of overlap. So you, you, <laughs> you got a big payday from mm-hmm. some real estate deals yep. you did so while you were on active duty. Jan- well, January 19. And... Mm-hmm. You got this big payday, and you said to yourself, hmm, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should just go go do this full-time. Is that kind of what drove you to, to leave? Or you said earlier you maybe already made your decision that you wanted to leave. No, so that didn't drive me to leave. That helped me narrow down the list of what I was going to do. Okay, gotcha. Definitely. And, and that's something important to touch on because I spent that whole two and a half years trying to figure out what that was going to be. And a lot of times, folks, they think like, well, I've been in infantry, I've been in soft, I've been in logistics, you know, I can go work for X company and make 
60, 80, 90, six figures, right? They just think like, I can go do what I've been doing for more money for another company. But from transitioning and dealing with different organizations, what I've come to realize is that a lot of organizations, when you dig into it, and some of their like executives will say this explicitly, like word for word, they'll say, we will teach you how to do what we're hiring you for, but they'll hire you for the things they can't teach people or they don't see in the average applicant, right? And, and a lot of times in the military, we don't realize how controlled the environment we're in is where everyone, no matter how good or bad you think they are at being a service member, <laughs> they have met all of this screening that other people will never subject themselves to in their life whether it's a minimum level of aptitude, physical fitness, ability to follow instructions or orders, whether they seem to not be very good at it at the well, time. What you're saying is our bottom 10% in the military is better than the bottom 10% else, elsewhere. Yeah, because I'd, the bottom, even the bottom 10% had to perform to these minimum standards. I'd, I'd say that. Okay. At the and, at the very least, that there's some utility in in some important traits that are useful across society, despite whatever collection of bad there are. Right. Okay. So I would definitely say that. And and that was what I realized. So when I interact with service members now getting out, the challenge I see a lot of folks deal with that I dealt with before I came to this very uh, well-compensated epiphany <laughs> was <laughs> you have this not-to-do list, right? It's like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting out. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to school. And it's like, okay, so you're going to kill time because you don't know what you want to do. Right. Right? So it's very rare that I hear someone say something where it's like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense because there's a shortage of those or those are that's a critical trade or credential well, or why whatever. do you think that is why do you think so many guys and gals it's just uh, just do that oh i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna go to school instead of finding that thing that i think is needed why do you think that is i think it's a couple of things to be honest with you i think it's very difficult to change it's v- it's very difficult for you to essentially do something for four years through 30 years that pays you every 15 days, make sure that you have medical benefits, your housing, reasonably like food is kind of incorporated into the mix depending on what you've got going on family-wise. And then four years later you think, I'm going to completely do something different and it's going to work out. Like (laughs) that's a lot of conditioning. Yeah. And then, God forbid, you have to worry about a spouse to take care of, a child or more to take care of. Right now, it's bordering along you doing something that you're compelled to do to you putting or feeling like you're putting your family at risk to do something that isn't certain. I think that's a big challenge, and I think that's why people gravitate to that, especially with the new GI Bill, where it's, I can go to school, I can get the BAH, I can get this stipend, and so on, and get some of this compensation. It puts off the decision. 
there's that, and I do think the idea that just getting a degree will make you more qualified for the job market is still a very prevailing thought. I think there's a lot of... Well, I think it's true, though. I mean, how mm-hmm. often do you see a, a job posting? You're probably not perusing them, but, I mean, I, I look at them every now and again. And, it's changed. And, 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 you, and you see them, unless you're a highly specialized thing, like... Uh, a degree is the new high school diploma. Right, you, but you, it's a min skill. Mm-hmm. It's like a minimum requirement. Absolutely. It's the four-year degree. Absolutely. But anything that you're going to live any sort of decent life on, it's got master's degree in mm-hmm. there. It's got then a, a plethora of other qualifications that might be needed as well. So, yeah. I mean, to your to your point, they kind of, if they if they want to go to corporate America, they're kind of compelled to to go get that degree, or they're not going there. So that's the other part. Is I think most of us observe our parents or just the people around us go work a job go be a part of an organization someone else created so the idea of that stability that we observed or this being the way to be more successful right this train of you'll move your way up in the world through this escalator that someone else has created it's the prevailing narrative but what gets lost a lot of the times, and it's hard to just seek out information you don't know exists, is that, I mean, there are a lot of things that maintain critical, critical infrastructure that satisfy what we would now consider basic human needs that don't require a degree. Certainly they require, like, credentials or licensure, but they don't require four years of college, right? right. And... I think, and we've talked about this some a little bit with like the trades, where I've seen billboards for uh, HVAC technicians where the company puts on the billboard, like, if you're not making 80 grand a year, you should apply with us. Yeah. Like, that's good money. That's yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nearly twice the average national salary. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a cousin, <coughs> uh, graduated high school, mm-hmm. I would say like three, four years ago. And he applied for lineman school mm-hmm. to work on power lines. Yes. And he had a year wait to get into the program. So mm-hmm. during that year, he went and worked for a construction company as a laborer. He saved enough money during that year to pay cash for his lineman training. Mm-hmm. The month he graduated from lineman school, he was hired by a utility company making eighty-five or 90000 a year, mm-hmm. full benefits. Within a year, he bought his first house. Mm-hmm. At like 19 years old, right? 20 years old, and that's uh, awesome. He has no debt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that is awesome. No debt, you know. And mm-hmm. and but I've I have other relatives that went to college for four years, and they're school teachers. Mm-hmm. And it'll take them 20 years to pay off Absolutely. their four years of school because they're making thirty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we don't need school teachers, but when you look at the investment of time and money into a skill and what that return is. There's other ways to get it than going going to school. Absolutely. And you found a different path. You took uh, a real – did you take a class to get your license? I took a six-week class to a get license. A six-week class to yeah. get a license. You went and got licensed, mm-hmm. um, and you made money in real estate before you even invested in that. Correct. I'm very comfortable learning the hard way. Okay. So I would I would – I can absolutely admit that I've taken risk – to learn hands-on or faster 
than it would make sense for some people to do, especially if you have a family. Uh, but I think that accelerated my learning and has given me a more in-depth understanding that makes me also more capable of helping others when they do certain types of transactions as well. And I think it can be a little bit misleading. Also, I, I recently I dealt with like a new client where they were referred to me, which I would think would indicate that I know what I'm doing but by another agent. <laughs> but I was talking with them and just kind of giving them a rundown. And they, were, they asked me when I got licensed. And I was telling them, uh, it's, it's been a little over two years. And they just assumed like, oh, well, you know, as a new agent, like these are the things I want you to do. And, you know, I don't need you to do this and that. And I like to use my ears and mouth proportionately. So I just kind of like take it all in. But it's like, I don't think you have, I don't think you really understand what I have going on right now. Like, I'm definitely grasping what you're doing, and it's not that complex, so I can certainly help you. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting where everybody has their own lens that they look at things through, and there are a lot of things that were not taught in mass. It, folks either have the benefit of learning them throughout life and learning how to take advantage of those dynamics or they don't. And sometimes they feel like there's some other, some mystified force related to their lot in life or how things are going or their upward mobility. And they're not necessarily realizing like we exist within a series of systems that have been created over thousands of years and your ability to comprehend them and then utilize them to their to your advantage is what will give you the momentum to achieve the things you want, which is kind of way in the weeds and a little off track. <laughs> Nothing's off track here. Sounds good. There's no agenda. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so... But where did that all start from? So the investing thing, though, wh- where did that rabbit hole begin? I you don't know, want to make sure I began. answer your it's question. It's not important where it began, <laughs> but let's 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 take a new direction, anyways. Okay. So you left active duty. You went you went into real estate. You've been doing it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the the VBC podcast. Mm-hmm. So let's touch on that for a minute. Um, you have been involved with us, I think, since the very beginning, right? You were at our first meeting, were you not? Yes. 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 You were at our very first mm-hmm. meeting. Eleven. It'll be twelve months next next month. Yeah. Um, so we're at almost a year of doing this. Um, talk to me about your experience with it and what you think and, and that Absolutely. sort of thing. So, so it's it's crazy because so one. One, I admire your ability to have like f- formed it and gotten it off the ground because shortly before I had a failed attempt to do something similar. Was this the thing with the chamber that mm-hmm. you told me about? Okay. Mm-hmm. That was, it was going to be the Veteran Business Council. A VBC. A VBC. <laughs> So it worked out perfectly. And you still then, got your VVC. Perfect. <laughs> so it all lines up. And it just, COVID kind of crushed it, right? 
because it was something thought of late late 19 early 20 and covid just crushed everything the momentum that was behind it initially and then people started moving and then the just the sent like political climate shifted and then people were less comfortable slash interested with dealing with certain organizations so it just seemed like you know what this may need to get put to bed and around that time i remember talking with you a couple times and then when i saw that i talked with everyone that was trying to do the bbc and i went to that meeting and i remember saying something like hey i think this is exactly what we were trying to do except one it already has buy-in from uh, a lot of stakeholders in in our community so to speak and it has a lot more latitude than it would with the relationships we were initially going to be utilizing to form this i think we should put this to bed and get behind this i remember like telling everybody that in a nutshell yeah and then um yeah and i've been like showing up ever since you have you have (laughs) i don't think you've missed anything yet (laughs) Why why do you continue to show up? Well, I think that man, I th- I think one shared experience or understanding is very important. I think a network is important. It's difficult for most people to just remove themselves from an environment and then also decide that they're going to immerse themselves in networks of people that they don't know or see eye to eye with or have shared experience with, right? So the awesome thing is, one, you have people that there's a little more to it than I just want reliable employees in my company, right? Because right? that's kind of, when you boil it down, There are people who have a sense of, say, patriotism with hiring veterans and, right? But there are also a lot of characteristics that people value that they see highly concentrated in the veteran community that they want in their companies, right? So being in all honesty, it's really like I want people who are capable of leading, who will have some degree of character, at least more than I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis. And I'd like more of that in my company, right? But with the VBC, the thing is, I also know, hey, for the most part, I can no kidding depend on this person. I know they value saying something and following through on it. And if that doesn't happen, they probably have a good reason, right? I know that they have been challenged before not only physically but mentally so that maybe i can depend on them to have the grit to take on a venture with me or discuss a hard topic with me or or whatever endeavor it may be i think that's beneficial and then also their ability to communicate ideas in a way that someone may understand better i know that a lot of times in private sector organizations that seems to be the biggest gap that they're trying to cover you know how do we communicate to 
these folks transitioning from service that we're looking for them. And then on the other end, I think that's where the rabbit hole started. How does this person that was infantry, that was logistics, that was admin, go from thinking all I know how to do is account for things or fill out paperwork or shoot to, hey, I can be a manager in an IT company or whatever random thing, right? So it's helping them realize the overlap. And I feel like organizations like this, especially with the diverse background of folks in it, help bridge that gap because now now it's like now it's like uh maybe i deal with someone in real estate right i've had people ask me questions all the time and say you know typical broker off the street you don't know them maybe you're concerned like this person's just trying to make a commission Mm -hmm. but i've dealt with people where they know i do this for myself they know I started doing it while I was in. They know I've done a number of uh, like unconventional things and scaled relatively fast. So they'll ask me things or they're just moving, right? And I'll say, you know, hey, look, man, you know, you should probably try to get on the waiting list for base housing or you need to save some money <laughs> or this is, this is what you need to consider these are some of the places that may be a good fit for you, right? And and it's not all in my own self-interest. And I can also shoot straight with them and say, hey, it seems like you're very good at these things because I understand what someone in the military may be looked at and valued or, or observed to say, this guy's good. Right. And I can see that and say, hey, these things cross over really well in X, Y and Z, totally seemingly unrelated to what you've been doing the last umpteenth years right on active duty. So I think there's a lot of value in that um, in connecting folks. And it, it just and a sense of camaraderie, which is huge. I'm a bit of a loner, so I don't long for that as much as many. But I do have a sincere appreciation for knowing good people, like people of character that are honest and have your best interest at heart, even if it isn't pleasant to get the message. Mm -hmm. I I think there's a lack of that in this day and age currently. So Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. For sure. Now, You've also, I believe, come across the new line of business as a result of the VBC, have you not? Definitely, definitely. So I'm learning about residential development, so that's kind of a crazy story all in itself. I don't want to jinx it. It's too early. I don't <laughs> yeah. have a contract yet. Yeah, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't need to go, you don't need to go too far into it. But, but it's cool that um, you, know, you already had your thing going on, and instead of just showing up to a networking mm-hmm. event and saying – Hey, I'm a realtor. You know, if you want to sell your house, you know, anybody looking to mm-hmm. buy, you know, here's my card, which is what most Absolutely. realtors do. That's the, the game they, they play. You know, you came in and you were just yourself and you connected with people and demonstrated yourself to be a, a person of quality and character and others did too. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like-minded people kind of came together and said, hey, here's this thing that I think we could do. Definitely. You have skills that I don't have. You know things that I don't know. And people started talking in a, a whole new venture was was launched as a result absolutely i think that's that's pretty cool Um, no i i agree hopefully it all works out (laughs) i do too 
No, I I'm confident it will. I I think that it's refreshing to see lessons learned earlier in life get validated like time and again. Similar thing, like everyone has their collective ability, their strength, and just the ability to find some synergy between them to go further, faster. It speaks volumes. I've definitely had the benefit of seeing how much you can get done with some with singular focus on your own in short periods of time. And I also realized that that can be multiplied with people working toward a common goal. So I think the concept of just taking ideas and making realities of them energizes me a lot. So I don't know. I'm like super excited about it, even though people can't tell by like my tone of voice or rate of speech ever. I have, I have the same problem. I have the exact same problem. People ask if I have emotions all the time. Yeah. Like deadpan. I think a lot of veterans are like that, honestly. Definitely. I don't think it's unique to me or you. I think a lot of veterans are like that. There's this thing in boot camp they teach you called bearing. Mm-hmm. And they spend 12 weeks making sure you don't twitch, even if there's a sand flea yes. gouging out your eye, right? Like you My, just don't my girlfriend <laughs> wonders all the time. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she does. But... Uh, Anyway, you had mentioned, uh, well, I had told you prior to the episode mm-hmm. that I was going to ask you for, for three things that you wanted to leave on the table for the listeners, right? Totally. And, uh, you know, re- regrettably, I didn't, I didn't give the same, you know, two-minute warning to our previous guests. I put them on the spot and made them, uh, you know, come up with it on, on, on the spot. But you, you had a couple minutes. You put some thoughts together, mm-hmm. and you had said that they, they might – kind of spur some further conversation. So let's just go ahead and dive into those three things now instead of wait until the end. Totally. So I'll start from the most tame to the furthest out there. All right. And these these are, <laughs> there is no context given. They could be on any subject, right? They could be on business, transition, fitness, health, whatever. Avery has no, no <laughs> boundaries, so we have no idea what Avery's about to throw out here for us. All right. So for something applicable to... I guess life in general, but specifically if you're thinking of making a transition or a change, right? So investing in yourself, the the term itself gets thrown around a lot and used in different ways, but just improving your ability to communicate, you know, verbally and in writing, non-verbally, the way you present yourself can literally change your life. Like your ability to communicate ideas, help people understand them and get behind things that you're trying to do will allow you to accomplish more in less time, often with the assistance or resources of other people who maybe hear you explain this thing and say, you know what, I don't understand it at all, but they're on to something. And I want to be a part of it, or I want to help them do it. I I think that whether you are just trying to get a promotion, or whether you're trying to start a business, or raise money, or make a new product, th- investing in yourself to improve those areas can go a long way and have an infinite return. Or if you're just trying to get a date, <laughs> all right, to boil it down, <laughs> which can have a return as well. All right. So, so point one was 
invest in your your ability to communicate clearly, concisely, and project a proper image. Is yes. That, is that a, a, a fair summary? Yes, it's a fair summary. Where what would you recommend somebody do in order to improve those areas? Are there specific courses, or is it just through trial and error, or what would you what would you say? That's fair. So, I would I would say reading is important or taking advantage of audiobooks now that we can listen to books passively or leverage our time by doing something while we listen to literature right that's something i would consider things about leadership or that fall into personal development are two things obviously books about communication Neuro-linguistic programming or body language. Uh, also, man, seduction. I can't think of pickup artistry. Pickup artistry, even though I'm sure there's new material. I haven't read any in a long time. But a lot of it actually talks about body language or neuro-linguistic programming that you can readily observe every day especially if you're single (laughs) or maybe if you're not, but it gets a little convoluted when you're in a long-term relationship, right? That allows you to observe and practically apply and understand some of these things that have overlap in many other dynamics. Um, That's something I would say. Little YouTube university doesn't hurt. And then also formal things, Toastmasters, Forcing yourself to develop the habit of practicing, whether it's writing or learning new words or observing how other people speak that you admire and and imitating it, right? All of those can go a long way. And also, this is harder to develop, I feel, but making an effort to be aware Right? Who, who is the audience that you're trying to appeal to or interact with? Right? So if your audience is in an investment bank, it's obviously going to be different than if your audience is a surf shop or a farmer. Right? So being aware of who your target is so that way you can make the adjustments needed to have an optimal interaction with that audience. I think that's it. That's an awful lot. I think that's yeah. that's plenty. That'll keep that'll keep anyone who wants to pursue that line busy for at least the next year. So Sweet. perfect. So are we ready to move on to point number two? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Okay. So at least for the foreseeable future, uh, there's a growing human population which has a need for, reasonably has a need for horizontal landmass and the ability to eat and for water, which is a relatively fixed supply. There is a need to have an increased output for food, which reasonably has a demand on horizontal landmass and a relatively fixed water supply. And 
in doing those things, right, there's also the challenge of finding a way to meet those demands all at once, some with overlap. So I think something not talked about enough is, right, there's like climate change and rising waters and it's hotter. That's something talked about all the time. But it's not very clear what people can do about it. But on the other side of it, there are things that people can focus on or be mindful of that they can think about every day. And so I admire certain entrepreneurs who, from the outside looking in, it just seems like they're doing some new project and they're super successful, right? Like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or even uh, Peter Thiel, right? But when you dig into it, they're creating things that optimize systems that humanity has grown dependent on that are to society's benefit from the point it's been created and forward, right? So with Amazon, I can no kidding expect a package to arrive in a third of the time in a declared like area of hostilities faster than the postal service can get it there, right? Which is insane, but it's impressive. Or Elon Musk with the breakthrough with reusable rockets, or even Blue Origin as well. And it's and uh, Virgin also has their like space program, which I don't know what they have going on, right? Or the Boring Company. Right or with Tesla with electric vehicles and essentially being the hold the the holdout and the industry leader with transitioning away from fossil fuels and into electric vehicles and some of the things that they've done right so a lot of times with entrepreneurship people have this thing this idea like oh I you know I'm really good at nails or hair or I made this shirt. But it seems like people who create things that not only satisfy basic human needs, but improve society from the point they're created forward, somehow manage to be really successful financially also. So with, with considering entrepreneurship, thinking about hard problems and ways to solve them, in whatever manner that you're capable of contributing toward the answer. So the one that I think about the most is, right, the idea of the horizontal landmass, right, with the human population growing. It's very expensive and not necessarily practical to just build up constantly, right? And then the need for more agriculture or livestock, which also have a huge demand on freshwater supply that people also need, right? So considering that and things like vertical farming or controlled environment agriculture and ways to either more efficiently use and distribute or create freshwater. And I'll leave it at that without getting too far in the weeds. That's something I like think between. That, that, that was the not too far in the weeds version. 
That was not too far in the weeds. Okay, because that seems super deep to me. <laughs> oh, we're um, going further. We can go further. All right, so let me try it. Let me try and summarize point number two on Avery's top three list. Point number two is that uh, the, the really successful entrepreneurs are uh, taking an, an aspect of society and improving it or increasing in the efficiency of a system exponentially um, in a manner that benefits the most people possible. Yes. Um, or on the opposite side of that coin, though, or it ties into like one of the seven deadly sins. For example, like soda companies, luxury brands, right? Where it, it like t- uh, ties into greed or vanity or but, laziness. But you're not encouraging that. Not encouraging that? You're encouraging the other one. Improve In- a system. Yes. <laughs> So you're <laughs> encouraging, or, the other or one. if you can't do that, then go after one well, of the yeah, one of maybe one of the just sins, right? Have a crossover product. Like, yeah, know. there we go. Yeah, so you can prove a system and, and have a sin at the same time. Perfect. Now we know where Avery's coming from. <laughs> All right, and and point number three. Point number three, and this kind of ties into two. So, with when you hear. Uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk explain, you know, why they want to go to Mars or why they're interested in exploring space, right? Elon talks about, like, the necessity to be able to have life on other planets. And then Jeff Bezos talks about, you know, they kind of dump on each other how really the initial goal is for it to be cost-effective to transport the manpower, machinery, and materials to create the infrastructure necessary to sustain life. And between both those two narratives, right, is the reality that all things exist for a finite period of time to include this planet, solar system, galaxy, etc. So human beings have to eventually become an interplanetary and eventually intergalactic species in order to prevent extinction. And to go a little deeper, I was going to end it there. I think that everything created, no matter how silly it seems, is essentially a part of an ecosystem that drives the refinement necessary to create the technology to achieve that aim. Because things that seem silly now also lend to other advances in technology or breakthroughs, or say 1% progressions that we that aren't newsworthy, right? You think about the brick cell phone that used to come with the car that now you get a ticket for using, which is nuts, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you think about the brick cell phone. Now they have a folding touchscreen with the screen folds, which mm-hmm. is sick, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And you think about the processing power of this phone is more powerful than the computer that we used to have when we were in grade school. Right. Right? You think about all these advancements where, right, it, sure, it seems silly where you just maybe, unless you're a small business owner using it for that purpose, where you get on you know, social media and you're just sharing cat pictures and cyber stalking your ex. Right. Right. But the ability to 
instantly communicate with someone anywhere in the world with an internet connection to include uh, through video is a significant breakthrough that did not exist what ten years ago. Right. Really, not at least not as commonly as it does now. Or as easy. Or, or, or as inexpensive or easy. Oh, shoot, I remember AOL, right? So there's a lot of advancements driven by things that seem relatively unimportant that contribute toward significant breakthroughs necessary that seem to all lend toward increasing the output of the average output of each person on this earth during the span of their lifetime. It's almost like a constant acceleration toward progressing to leaving or having the technology to progress to leaving. It's something I think about. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't know if I'll ever find out. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. At, at the rate, rate things progress, you, you could. You could find out. We shall see. We shall see. So those are three pretty pretty deep <laughs> points to just drop and leave there on the table for our listeners um so if i wanted to summarize avery's points was become a a better communicator project a better image uh, solve a a real world problem or improve an existing system that uh, affects uh, a major portion of humanity and then plan for space travel because it's coming i'll roll with that i'll take it all right all right should should we pack bags now or like wait a little bit I think it's going to be a little bit. going to be a little bit yet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today, Avery. Um, do you have any uh, parting thoughts uh, about about anything, anything we've discussed, the VBC, anything for, for our listeners? No, not at the moment. If I can plug a couple awesome organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I know you have some work that you do with uh, Bunker <clears throat> Labs, for example. So, yeah. yeah, take a couple minutes. Go for it. Absolutely. So I am currently the city ambassador for Bunker Labs Wilmington. So we're done for events for this year, but we'll be kicking off early next year. So look out for that. But it's a nonprofit focused on veteran entrepreneurship, right, and assisting military spouses, transitioning service members, veterans with you know, entrepreneurship and even connecting with the private sector as well, but more so focused on entrepreneurship. And then also I'm working with Rob Renz with Suit and Warriors. All right. So there's a suit drive coming up and they also help, you know, transition and service members, veterans with getting mili- excuse me, with getting professional attire as they prepare to interview, you know, take on new jobs and transition into the private sector as well. So Attire to include suits and shoes. Yeah. So I'm excited about that as a chronic overdresser. Excellent. So you've got <laughs> you have two nonprofit endeavors that you're involved with on top of your uh, uh, normal professional life. So you're a busy man. Mm-hmm. Um, are you taking on any additional real estate customers at this time? And if so, how should interested parties get in touch with you? Totally. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is shooting me a text at 910, <clears throat> excuse me, 787-0877. All right. And could they shoot you a text if they just wanted to explore space travel as well? Absolutely. Excellent. I'm up for talking about it all. Excellent. <laughs> That's great. 
Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you also very much uh, to get involved with the VBC and find your sense of purpose, connect with your tribe, and elevate your bottom line. Visit us at veteranbusinesscollective.org, as well as follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We post all of our uh, events on both of those pages. So if you're interested in attending uh, any of our chapter meetings at any of our locations, you'll find uh, notices about them there. And our parting thought is honor the fallen by living each day to its absolute fullest. Until next time, VBC out. Thanks for checking out the VBC podcast.